Hey everyone, Eric Watson here, and this is the recorded audio of a DM-only live stream in which I prepare for our next live session and chat with fans twice a week at my Rogue Watson YouTube channel. Please note that these streams are full of DM spoilers. This was not originally intended for an audio-only format, but has been converted to a podcast for your convenience. The channel and by extension this podcast are supported by Patreon. If you'd like to support my work, you can do so at patreon.com slash roguewatson. Enjoy the show. Player of Games, Runner Board, your quarter of videos and a tabletop role playing aficionado. Welcome to the Monday edition of my bi weekly behind the scenes DM only live stream crafting Icewind Dale, in which I built right and prepare for our next session. Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. If you're playing characters of all Robin, Frey, Celeste, Edmund, or Thimbleweed, this is not the right stream for you, but for the rest of you, welcome. I hope you enjoy lots of spoilers. We stream our DD sessions live on YouTube every Friday. You can watch all of our DD sessions and reviews here on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter at Rogue Watson and join our official Discord server. Invite link into the description below. If you'd like to support the channel, please check out patreon.com slash roguewatson. Hope everyone had a lovely Zon-filled weekend. I know I had a lot of Zon on the brain. This was a very fun fight we had last session. I don't want to unpack too much of it because uh, we need to discuss uh, looking forward instead of looking back. That's what Frostside Chat is for. But uh, it's funny how the players actually didn't take a whole lot of damage in that fight, and yet it felt very compelling uh, and just had a lot of swings and ups and downs, and it, it reminded me of the fact that I really haven't used a whole lot of spellcasters in this entire campaign, um, which is kind of how it's designed, I guess. It's a lot of monsters and not a lot of um, humanoid NPCs, and the only humanoid ones we had really were the Dwergar, and there's not a spellcaster among them. So it was fun to be able to use some uh, Zon clones, and Honestly, of all the different areas, this one has by far been the most fun so far to really upscale and let loose with the fact that the players are level 10. Uh, and I think it's going pretty well so far with the whole cloning trajectory thing that I'm working on. So I've been enjoying it. Uh, that means we also need to plan for the finale, though, because uh, we are very much already pushing towards level 4. In fact, this fight has not ended which is funny. I mean, you give a Barbarian four rages, but A, you give her a, a friendly fire, a little intelligence damage, uh, psychic damage attack, and she's going to be pissed about that. But also the best way to conserve your rages is to never stop fighting, so I respect it. <laughs> and and it, it helps solve my problem of like how soon to aggro the bottom level since it was a fucking grenade thrown in there. Um, and I was going to have this grappler creature, I think it's called a choker, uh, come up and snag somebody and drag them back down, which I mentioned in Frostside chat, and then Frey just went ahead and grabbed Valravin and just jumped down there anyway, which was fantastic. So this is a lovely, um, probably very temporary split party situation, and honestly, you know, if you're going to be stuck somewhere, you might as well have the Barbarian right next to you. I know, no real effect on the enemy. That was also really, really funny. By the way, hello to Nate, Brandon, Hydrist, Stan, the usual suspects, Nick, 
uh, yeah, that was that was the most one of the more memorable moments when he chose to like, all right, I can do a thing, but it's gonna have to be a big AOE. It's gonna hit all my allies, and then it turns out it did still do damage to the Zons, but none of them actually went down from it. And then they somehow all made their plus zero on save. So just absolutely amazing. So uh, we're basically just gonna go into fight part two, which I already I had things for the players to do to kind of break up the action but being such a very very tiny dungeon i'm not surprised that they went ahead and just aggroed everything which we may even get to a situation where we go right into the boss fight and, and that would be real crazy i mean i would love to give the players a breather in between but the way it's um shaping up with all the different creatures constantly aggroing and the fact that these on clones will be like kind of constantly doing their thing um it might be a weird thing where we end up just fighting this thing all the way to the boss, and then only afterwards do we actually get the the notes that I had. Unless players want to stick up here and interact with stuff, which they totally can. There's, I did like finish um, building out the second, or the, sorry, it's level three. There's a big note. Uh, in fact, you can see right here. This is how I do these notes. I literally write them on because um, I hate. <laughs> I hate art programs so much. I'm just not an art person whatsoever. So I literally do as much as I can in Roll20 and then hit print screen. But uh, these are the kind of the notes I have for Zahn's journal. Because, uh, you know, I want to do the classic, like, what went wrong here, right? The very, you know, tropey environmental storytelling of, of course, this person kept a journal. And that's how you're going to learn everything. Because um, the actual NPC that you could talk to, is his mind is just gone. And everybody else is an enemy. So this was going to be found in that office building, or that sorry, that office room where my two uh, Zon mages were in, and the party can just basically learn about what happened since he arrived here. Um, and it will tease the larger city, which I think the players already know about, but it's also just a fun kind of reminding about the main like plot here, which is that there's a this is just a piece of a larger city that's somewhere buried in Icewind Dale, and that it that would potentially be a huge discovery and a big source of. Um, power to whoever might be able to find it so that's in this room here in the office uh and who knows if anybody will stop and check there while we're in the middle of all this fighting and then the shrine here on the ceiling which unfortunately i neglected to mention because we were just in the middle of that fight and it was i don't know it's hard to mention um room details i guess to my um benefit the shrine is it is on the ceiling because this whole place is upside down so it's attached to the ceiling so i guess you would have had to look up to actually see it but um i had a, a two-part system there where whoever touches it first has to make an intelligent save or take damage and then if they end an exhaustion it's, it's a pretty nasty one because fuck it they're level 10 and if they survive that then they can choose to make an arcana check uh if they're a spellcaster. in fact it'd probably only be maybe even the intelligence only goes after if they if they are a spellcaster as well um, and then they can use an Arcana check, and if they succeed, on, if they fail their Arcana check, nothing bad happens. But if they succeed on it, then they'll gain a permanent new trait, which is to gain advantage whenever you read spell scrolls as per our house rules. So I thought it would be a, a pretty risky way to give players like a permanent um, buff trait, whatever you want to call it. Um, D and D doesn't really have a good system for that. Boon, I guess, is the term. Um, and I'm determined if it's just the first person who does it, or any, everybody can try it. Because it's not too game-breaking. I mean, you know, spell scrolls are ultimately up to me on terms of how many they get and everything. So I might tempt it to let everybody get a chance. But you have to be a spellcaster uh, in order to gain the benefit. It's a Mistra shrine. So those are the two interactables uh, in this level. I don't know if we're going to 
do them at all, but hopefully I can describe them again to the players, and then maybe in the middle of the combat somebody will want to mess with it. I could see maybe Edmund uh, wanting to do that, but we will see. Um, right now there's a bit of a split party. Everybody's damaged from that grenade that uh, Edmund threw down there, so that's why they're all slightly damaged beforehand. But this right now is what um, play level 4 sees, which is just this immediate room. I do have this door already open because I figure these creatures would not be in the business of shutting doors. So all the doors in this lower level would be open. And as you can see, I added another little creature here. This one uh, is from Tomb of Beasts, and it's called a Sap Demon. And I've obviously reconfigured that to be like a melty, gooey, fleshy design because that just looks uh, fucking brilliant for a fleshy piece of the big um, conglomerate creature, which is the corpse mound from Tomb of Beasts, which I have, of course, named... Uh, zon, 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 zon. <laughs> oh, the zons. And the idea is the boss is literally just a giant fleshy, um, fused together pile of zon clones, which have just been so degenerated and mutated that it is just one giant stat block. And initially, I actually lowered this to be a large instead of a huge, but I'm kind of liking the idea of it being absolutely gigantic. Now, you could say, Eric. There's a problem with putting this giant creature in this room. It can't get out of this room. So wouldn't the players be able to just sit there and take pot shots? Possibly. Um, the two things I could do for that, uh, three things. A, I can give it like ooze type abilities where it could just squeeze into things, which it probably could. B, you give it at least a 10 foot range, which I could do that. And C, you have it spawn minions that come after the players, which really make them want to be able to kill this creature and have things in between. And I'm thinking about employing all three of those tactics because again, Fuck it, the players are level 10. <laughs> also, uh, we need to work on that stat block, but story-wise, I'm kind of leaning towards making Krintos a non-hostile NPC. Like, his whole thing is he's... He, I don't know how the Red Wizards work with their undead, or, or maybe... I don't know if uh, Zahn has to constantly animate him to keep him up or, or what the deal is there or somehow he's like magically sworn loyalty to Zahn or something. But what would happen if that person clones himself? Then that would create a real dilemma, a dilemma for our poor loyal white. So when what if those creatures that he's sworn loyalty to uh, eventually get more and more hostile to where they don't really recognize him anymore? So how would that play out? So maybe it's actually a sympathetic, tragic figure. So now I'm thinking maybe instead of putting it as a guard, as just another um, you know enemy stat block in here, which would be very forgettable, instead, maybe I put it in this bedroom uh, and have that be the interactable thing in this bedroom. And maybe I will have this door shut and then have it like this creature has kind of barricaded itself in this doorway and seems to be in a bit of a dilemma. And then you can have kind of fun with a social uh, undead. I don't know how much intelligence this thing is supposed to have. Intelligence of 10. It is average intelligent and knows a language it knew in life. Okay, so it is not just a mindless zombie. So that's perfect. Um, I think that would be pretty fun and a neat little uh, twist here is that it's basically stuck. Yeah, exactly, Stan. He's stuck down here and needs to be rescued <laughs> and maybe he could be an ally for the players if they play their cards right. I don't know what they could say or do um, other than not attack him, but just say like, hey, we're here to help 
maybe they try to like manipulate him to where like we're here to help Zon, but we need to destroy the big Zon or something, you know, whatever they can do. I mean, the weird thing is they could end up just bypassing this door entirely and just having the whole fight and never opening this door. And maybe I'll have Krintos open the door himself and, and have to be prepped for that. So I, I just in case, I, I need to be careful about um, including notes on if this door is never open. Because obviously if the whole place has been cleared and then you open the door, it's kind of goofy. I guess it could still be a little bit of an epilogue thing where he's like, Zon! <laughs> you know, and, and the rest of the players are like, Zon's dead, baby. Zon's dead. But that kind of solves my problem what to do with this stupid room with the invisible chest. Now, on the other hand, I could keep the invisible chest in here, actually put loot in it, and just have it be the only way you're going to find this fucking thing is if uh, you have detect magic or, you know, see invisibility, basically, and then put actual loot and not a crumbling uh, spellbook that disintegrates after a few seconds. That is the dumbest thing ever. I guess the chest itself? Is magical? Yeah, chest can be made invisible. And you could, so that's weird. The chest itself is worth 100 GP, but there's nothing, the only thing inside of it is a disintegrating spell book. Um, I guess I could put more spell scrolls or some, I mean, probably just good loot in general, but stuff that Dizan wouldn't have gotten. And then I don't know how much more loot I want to put in here. What would, hmm, the fleshy bit would have something in here. I mean, they probably need something. Please tell me they're gone. Yeah. All right. So did I actually work on this creature or not? I don't remember. But the original sap demon is pretty messed up. It can like gooify itself into your brain and control you. Okay. I, thought, I think I deleted that uh, because I just, I just want to give these guys their basic attacks. Essentially very easy to run. Um, anything that's too mutated can't really cast spells anymore, but it becomes pretty strong. In this case, plus 6, 11 damage if both attacks hit the same target. Target is grappled and restrained. Um, I guess I need to add... Maybe it has a way of enveloping people inside of it. Or maybe its job would be to grab it and move it towards the mound. That would be pretty good. I have one shuffling out here just to freak the players out. Um, I think that'd be pretty creepy, the, the fact that this corridor is open. There's one that's clearly has been spawned from the boss. I'm not probably going to roll initiative for the boss yet. Uh, that's a tricky situation. I need to figure the timing of that out because the players don't really know anything about that. But I do think it'd be fun if the boss was literally spawning these giant fucking creatures, which... I don't even know. Is this the average hit points? It does get a little confusing naming everybody's on, though. I'll tell you what. <laughs> that does have some flaws. 67 hit points with 13 armor class. Probably just keep all these resistances and immunities. He's immune to bludgeoning straight up. That's interesting. I don't think anybody really does bludgeoning. It's almost like they've got the blob from the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, X-Men villain. If you're like doing any, well, I guess that one would be impervious to everything, but it's funny. Bludgeoning, just literally immune, just sucks into it. Ah, oh, that'd be an interesting immunity. I could give that to our Zonzonzon. All right, so it's not undead. I'm going to change that part of it. It's a huge, we'll call it an aberration. Two bees, one bees. To be or not to be. 
Uh, let's see. Hasty armor class, 200 hit points, 30 speed. Probably give it the ooze ability. So necrotic, it would not be resistant to necessarily. Poison, or would it? Being a bunch of Zons give you... It almost doesn't matter. The players don't really do that. We don't really have uh, offensive spellcasters anyway. Everybody's doing either... I think it's slashing, bludgeoning, or in the case of Celeste, occasional radiant damage. Which... I'm just actually, you know what, for language, I'm just going to write Zon. <laughs> I could also give it legendary actions and legendary resistance. It's a boss creature at level 10. You kind of have to do that. I think we have to do that. Yeah, so the Corpse Man has the ability to spawn zombies. I think I want to spawn something else. And instead of Noxious Aura, I think I want to give it close to what the Gibbering Mowler has, which is this Gibbering feature. Or I just use the uh, Confusion spell. Each creature that starts its turn within 20 feet uh, and can hear it must succeed on a Wisdom save. On a failure, the creature can't take reactions and rolls a d8 to determine what it does during its turn. On a 1 to 4, the creature does nothing. On a 5 or 6, the creature takes no action or bonus action uses all its movement to move in a randomly determined direction. On a 7 or 8, the creature makes a melee attack against a randomly determined creature. Uh, that's pretty good. That's basically confusion, right? The difference. I mean, confusion is an ongoing effect that you have to make a save for each time. This one is just each time you start your turn, you have to keep making the save. Yeah, psychic. That's true. Maybe psychic damage. I don't know. Well, psychic damage will be good, actually. I take it back against uh, Valravan. You're right. He's got so many brains. Uh, so confusion is a d10 instead of a d8. Let's see. On a one, you use all your movement to move in a random direction. You don't take an action. On a two to six, you don't move or take actions. You're just done. And on a seven to eight, use your action to make a melee attack as a randomly determined creature. And a nine to ten, you actually act normal even if you make the save. So, I don't want to do the one where you can act normally, which is why I like this as a D8 and just gets rid of the good ones. Or does nothing. Yeah, Jimmy Mather is probably good then. It's got the same. It's still bad. You're, you're losing your, if you fail this, you're losing your turn no matter what. And if it's a 7 or 8, you're actually attacking somebody else. Everything else, you're just kind of doing nothing or moving. Yeah, mentally screaming design. And that's basically what it's like a cacophony. In fact, I think the uh, the Shoggoth has something similar. Thank you. That's two Gs. Similar in design to the Gibbering Rather, I believe. This is also from Tomb of Beasts. I could almost use that token, but it's a little too um, monstrous. Absorb flesh. Amorphous, that's what I want also. To an extent. 
can't be one foot wide, but maybe five foot wide. Hideous piping. Looting noises are otherworldly and mind-shattering. A creature can hear this cacophony at the start of its turn is within 120 feet. Must succeed in a whiz saving throw or be confused as per the spell confusion. For 1d4 rounds. Okay, so that one's just straight up like just use confusion. <laughs> that is a CR 19 creature, by the way. I do like having at least resistance to psychic damage. Alright. And I also want it to spawn creatures. It's going to do so much stuff. I keep hitting this because I want to edit... Uh, hit that. Alright. Uh, let's see. Absorb the dead is probably not going to... Well, actually, that could be interesting. No, because it's not going to absorb dead people. In fact, it wouldn't be healing itself, it'd be detaching new Dazons. So it's not going to heal itself, it's just going to spawn new minions. That's what I'm going with, so we're going to get rid of... It doesn't make any sense for it to, like, reabsorb minions to heal itself, I don't think. But I am going to keep these two abilities and just change them. Let's see. Call it babbling and screaming. We'll know what that means. Uh, what was the Mouther? Was that also 20 feet? Okay, yeah, let's keep 20 feet. That's fine. I mean, 20 feet at its size should be pretty good. All right, so we're going to say, in fact, we're just going to copy this. this turn that starts. Oh, this is interesting. The course mount is at the end of its turn. Creatures that are within have to have that happen, whereas this one is each creature that starts its turn. I like the starts its turn, because everybody's got to fucking deal with that then. Each creature that starts its turn within 20 feet of the flesh mound, as we're going to call it. Here, the constant... Babbling and screaming must succeed on a what's my DC for this creature? Uh, we can call it a 17. That's what it's using in here. That's a really high. That could be real fucking scary. That thing just that ability shuts you the fuck down. What does a DC 17 wisdom save look like for this party? That is aggressive. Our monk only has a plus one. I mean, people do have bardic inspirations. They've got... Oh, what's the other one? Flash of Genius can maybe be used for saves. Edmund is a plus three. It's a wise artificer. He's a wise artificer. He's got 16 wisdom. Ray has a plus zero. God, that's going to be... The void's got a plus two. And eight seventeen sounds perfect. And Paul Robin is a plus zero. Holy shit. That's gonna be real painful. Yeah, because it means I don't do a damn thing. Oh, let's do that and let's 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 think on it. 
DC 17 wisdom saving throw. On a failure, the creature can't take reactions till the start of its next turn and rolls a D8 to determine what it does during its turn. So you fail this, you do not get to do anything on your turn. On a 1 to 4, you literally do nothing. On a 5 to 6, you get to take no actions, but you have to move, which could trigger attacks of opportunity because you're moving on your turn. Or on a 7 to 8, you make a melee attack against a randomly determined creature within its reach, which that could be um, to your advantage because uh, you could end up attacking the fleshy mound. They are level 10, yeah. 20% chance of success. Never tell me the odds. But yeah, that sounds real bad. And you just saw, I, I went through all their saves. Like, this is not a very wise party. The Artificer, I think, had the most wisdom at plus three. What was the Ranger? you think the Ranger would have more. Ranger's only plus two. Edmund's plus three. Thimbleweed's plus two. Everybody else was one or zero. For saves. And yeah, that doesn't count things like Bardic Inspiration and... Flash of Genius and stuff. Well, Robin's DC, I believe we determined was a 17. Yeah. It is a 17. And I really like the idea of giving him... Uh, giving him as in my... I change his name. Um... Resistance to psychic damage. I like that a lot. We could still give him resistance or immunity to bludgeoning like that sap demon has. Alright, so that just that's copy and pasted the gibbering mouther, but literally just ups the wisdom save to horrifying amounts. But it's also within twenty feet, so most people would just stay um away although i could maybe make the radius bigger but if you think if you look at the map it's gonna be hard to get out of his range 20 feet of this asshole as long as you can hear it i mean here's the other option i could force this fucking fight by nah i probably won't have it go through walls well hmm Probably you could, no, it probably wouldn't be affecting you like that, but you'd probably be able to hear it. But once you get into this hallway with the door open, maybe? And this gets really tricky. When, hmm. How thick are these walls? <laughs> Crumbling upside down tower. That's a good question. I guess I'll, I'll, I'll punt that question to all of you. If it's got a 20-foot radius of its babbling effect when does that actually come into play do you have to have line of sight because it's it should be that you can hear it just says each creature starts from 20 feet of the flesh mound and can hear the constant babbling and screaming it's really up to me as the dm if i determine if you can hear it anywhere on this level but i guess at that point you would also have to affect people up here because this was only what 12 feet higher so I don't know. That's that's tricky. I don't think I'd want to go through walls. But that would be a fun way to force that fight. Like, holy shit, something is doing this to us. We gotta go fight it. I, I mean, the other options I could say, alright, you hear this, but it's muffled, so you have advantage. But that could still be real nasty to them. Because otherwise, it only it basically works like line of sight because of all the walls in here. Um, although this door is open, maybe you could have sound travel. 
which case it would almost affect you. Yeah, maybe it didn't wake up. Maybe once you get in the corridor, it would start affecting. Radius not obscured by walls. Which, which at that point becomes line of sight. Yeah, I kind of like the f idea of maybe not aggroing the boss just yet. <laughs> in fact, I wouldn't mind the idea of these guys fighting in here, Valravan running out here, realizing there's a creature coming, slamming the door, and maybe trying to keep it shut, you know, and doing things, and maybe even try to get the players the extent of a short rest after this one fight, um, so that we can then have a separate big boss fight, and I could spawn more of these creatures, maybe. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Those are the Globe of Silence. Uh, the Orb of Silence, I think I was going to call it. Um, they have not had a chance to identify it yet. I am going to make it a breakable object, though. Like, it would it would turn on, but then um, it would be able to be destroyed if, if an enemy got their hands on it. All right, so we like the Babbling and Screaming. We'll probably have the boss not really be aggroed until they at least enter the corridor, like halfway through the corridor. And I like the idea of turning uh, Krintos here into an actual sympathetic uh, possible ally NPC because the design, as he knows it, just doesn't really exist anymore. And it's a bunch of evil clone versions. And um, that probably doesn't sit well with our poor undead friend. So instead of... And I guess we could keep the hip... I don't know, like 200... That was the, that was the Remoraz. That was a pretty good boss fight with minions. So I think we could keep it like that. Um, we could always roll for hit points right now. My rule with bosses, it always has to be above average. There we go. I just rolled. It's 217. That works. Yeah, I think so. We'll have it be... Uh, and then, yeah, once it gets aggroed, then I would probably have it go through uh, the corridor walls. And I'm going to give it the... Uh, amor amorphous trait, whatever the fucking oozes has. Not to the extent that an ooze can do it. Wait, does the sap demon have this? Or I mean, I mean, Zahn? Yeah, it does. Okay. So take that and apply it to. Uh, I don't know why I have to add it in here. It's not like the player's going to ever see it. Now I can move through a space as narrow as, probably as narrow as five feet wide, not one inch. That way it can follow them into the corridor, which I think would be pretty terrifying. Okay, so that solves that problem. So, because my biggest problem is I don't want them to just say like, well, fuck it, we'll just kite them out in the hallway or something. A, it's it can follow them. Um, I could maybe slow it down, I don't know, 30 feet, whatever. But B, I want it to spawn minions, and C, um, probably give it some range, because the base one only has five feet. All right, so this version, which is the corpse mound, at the start of the corpse mound's turn during combat, it just summons a zombie. So I think we can, interesting, it just, so it's only once per round. I'm tempted to make, I'm tempted to give him some legendary actions that include spawning Dude, so we could still do it once per round, but maybe do it anywhere during the rounds. You don't know when it's going to happen. Oh, man. You know what I'm going to call this feature? Are you ready for it? Are you ready? Spawns on. 
<laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> so beautiful. You know what? I think I'm going to make it a legendary action. What the fuck? We got to give it legendary actions. It's it's a boss fight. Who am I trying to convince here? Legendary actions. Where do I put my legendary actions at? There we go. The Zonzon Zonzon Zon can take three legendary actions. It sounds like a Dr. Seuss character. Spawn Zon. <laughs> Thank you, Brandon. <laughs> it's everything in the campaign has come to, down to this moment. This, <laughs> this one moment. What do I actually want to spawn, though? is the question i could use this guy this is a pretty strong creature for a minion for a boss fight it is normally a cr4 but i got rid of its really horrifying attack where it goes down somebody's body and turns and dominates them as if dominate monster uh so really all they have is their basic slam attacks but they also have a chance to uh grapple and restrain and the idea is where they would grab you and then try to merge. They could merge you back into the... That's what I really want to do is have is have these... Um, the fleshy versions get spawned and then they try to basically grab people and then... and then drag them into the big flesh mound. Ooh, that's gross. <laughs> And then it can do like its envelop ability, which is basically built like all the swallow abilities, as far as I know. Blind and restrain, total cover against attacks, and you take, in this case, 66 necrotic damage because it's an undead creature. I do I keep it necrotic or do I just say like I don't know. What would it be like? What kind of damage would that be? If you were uh enveloped in a giant fleshy mound or flamethrower chip. I don't know if necrotic is the right... Maybe it's necrotic. Necrotic is like decay and rot. I don't know if the fleshy mound would have that. Otherwise, it would just be mundane damage. It would just be bludgeoning, piercing, or slashing is all the different teeth and fists and stuff or just pounding on you. Or bludgeoning just for pure crushing damage, in which in that case, it's not nearly as scary for the barbarian. For some reason, I think of acid too, but I don't know where the acid would come from. And it's just sounds right. He's like stomach acid, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it's just got one big. It's just got one big stomach in there. Ah, oh, yeah. All right, we'll make it acid. Mound. But actually, let's make a slam attack against a restrained creature. Total coverage attacks. Other attacks. Other corpse takes. Let's see, let's do sixty-six. You do those brackets, it automatically rolls it. That's the damage start of each of the... Start of the Flesh Mound's turn? Not the start of the player's turn? They get a whole nother round to be inside of this thing. See, 17, Sanctuary of the Corp takes 30 more damage. It's Flesh Mound. Uh... Changing all the terminology in case I end up doing that. Man, it's used a lot. 
up to four creatures at once. Acid and bludgeoning. Ass Everybody's got a different opinion. That's funny. I think I like acid because it's like stomach acid, basically. But I could see where... Oops, I didn't do that right. I could see where the argument would be either way. I don't think it's going to matter ultimately. What mainly matters is, is it um, slashing, bludgeoning, or piercing because then the barbarian uh, doesn't care nearly as much. So currently, the only way this guy can actually grab you is if he hits with both attacks and then he's grappled and restrained. I could change that where it only hits it only has to hit with one attack and if it does that it can right so I could still give it two attacks it can grapple and restrain probably say that it can only do that to one person and then the idea is it wants to uh, and it is slower going to want to walk back and try to basically it's it's the it's the big creatures uh, range attack is to spawn these minions that go and attack although i could probably get a range attack as well yeah i'm going to change that it doesn't have to hit with both attacks we're really going to up the the uh challenge of this whole thing target is grappled and restrained C15. Uh, let's just say GUI's on. GUI's on. Can only grapple and restrain one creature at a time. But it can attack twice. Try and get that done. I don't know if I should give it these these immunities and resistances though. Strength test for prone. Oh, that's interesting. You get to make a strength save if you're attacked. Usually, if you're, it's the attack roll. Just if it hits you, then you are grappled and restrained, which is a really nasty effect because that makes the players have to start choosing like what they do with their actions. And 67 hit points is a pretty good amount for a freaking minion spawn. Like, damn. I might need to lower that a little bit. And yet, we know that they can do a lot of damage. So if we were to make a couple of these bad boys. Can't imagine. It's too many. Although, if it's legendary actions and this fight goes a while, that is a lot of scary minions to make. No, I just said in the stat block that it can't... Uh, can only grapple and restrain one creature at a time. So I did limit that. But basically what I change is it only has to hit with one attack. It essentially has two chances. Which, if it hits with its first attack, um, it will just it basically means it can only hit the same person it just did it to, and, and it would have advantage because they are uh, restrained. But its life goal would be to grab people and bring them back into this mess. It's hit points. For all these guys, oh, merciful heavens. What have I done? Although, look at him. Fucking Thimbleweed still got 100 hit points. Like, whatever. These guys, they get hardly any damage. Stop feeling sorry for him. Spawns on, um, 
a gooey melting humanoid rips itself out of the flesh mound. Yeah, that's basically it. <laughs> and I guess it's the original one go. Do I roll initiative separately for it, I think? That becomes a weird RNG thing because if you if it's a legendary action, anytime you have to roll initiative for a creature in the middle of combat, it's total RNG on whether that creature gets to go that round or not. Gloomhaven solved this problem by saying every time you open a door and spawn new monsters, the monster always gets to catch up on its turn and then the normal round rules apply uh, and the normal initiative rules apply. d and I don't think it has anything like that. It just says uh, with some monsters, they get to act on your turn, but others uh, and other creatures, you get to roll initiative for them, which presumably if you roll a higher initiative than what you're at now... That creature is screwed and just doesn't get to go that round. Instead, you have to wait till um, the next round. I guess it would, you know, still gets to go eventually, but. I gotta say it on the non spawn. Rolls initiative separately. Alright, so we can make that a. Legendary action. Maybe that costs two legendary actions. Just in case I end up having a lot of spawns and they're like, eh, I don't need to do this. And you can add maybe two more that cost one legendary action. That would be no either idea, Nate. Yeah, have them act immediately when they get spawned. Um, and then they can roll initiative and move like normal. Be pretty devastating, and I like it. It's immediately, then rolls separately. All right, let's add that in there. Fuck it. <laughs> DM has begun cackling evilly. I mean, I do roll initiative separately for all the creatures, so. Oh, yeah, we can't forget. Legendary fucking resistance. Uh, how does legendary resistance worded? Actually, in here, not quite. Uh, quick, what's a creature that has legendary resistance? A dragon? Something? Not a boss monster. I searched dragon in Dungeons and Dragons. What an idiot! There's gonna be a million things in here. Oh god, the scroll bar, it's so big. <laughs> what have I done? Legendary resistance, right? Hell yeah, you do. Alright, there we go, that's what I wanted to copy. It, it can choose to succeed instead. Flush mound fails us, I mean, they can choose it. It's just the biggest bullshit. Um, ability. But you know what? You need it. You need it on all your boss monsters. Because 
Otherwise, they shut that shit down pretty easy. Uh, what else can I use for legendary action? Just whatever its basic attack is. That's usually an easy one to do. The attacks are usually developed once. In this case, this one's got a... Three mother half. Bites. Ooh, blinding spittle. Really, I'm just making this thing a giant gibbering mouther. Oh, that's blinded. Okay, I want to do actual, like, damage. <laughs> so it's slam attack. This one does necrotic, which isn't going to work. Blinding damage can be replaced with piercing or slashing on a hit the target is grappled. Escape DC 17 and restrained. Also spawn on reaction. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> it's a legendary action means I can do this every round. Every round is going to summon a new gooey thing. And I'm going to start with at least one. Um, I guess I could still give it five foot range. This doesn't have like tentacles or anything. So it wouldn't necessarily have a huge range. And these creatures are designed to grab people and then they can squeeze by and then get close to it. But it would not do necrotic damage when it slams. Actually tempted to make it do less damage. I guess I could just add acid. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe add just have it be bludgeoning and slap. I mean, the barbarian wouldn't mind then, but it's still more damage. Yeah, we can just do bludgeoning and slashing damage. Keep it 3D, so just, yeah. So, that would be friendlier for the barbarian, for sure. Slam and bite. And scratch. It's just a fleshy, like... Bunch of body parts attacking, really. Up chucking a design spawn 15 feet away. I didn't actually say the range at which it can spawn, did I? The idea would be it would definitely detach itself um, in that spot. But it can move I, I, as... Uh, I forgot who said that in the chat. But somebody um, uh, recommended that it, it, gets a, it gets to act immediately when it gets spawned. So essentially it has... And those things have a 20-foot range. Oh yeah, Psychic from Screaming. I could make that a legendary action too. It does another one with Psychic, psychic Screams or something. Let's keep this for now. Uh, I could give it a range attack. And then I think the Envelop I'll keep... Slam and bite and scratch attack. It's a restrained creature. Although the way it's worded, it has to make two weapon attacks or use envelop once. Which means it has to use this ability first to and then it restrains somebody. And then next turn, it can envelop them. You know what I should do is, is put envelop as a fucking legendary action. Or, I mean, if I include either one of these attacks as a legendary action, that would help be able, 
have it be able to do its thing more often. This is gonna be fucking nasty. Yeah, because if it's able to gra if it's able to grab, even if I just let it do its basic attack as a legendary action, that means there's a potential to grab and restrain somebody before its turn, and then on its turn it can immediately use the envelop ability. That would be pretty sick. That could be damn effective. So one of the legendary actions you can use. All the same damn thing. And the other thing I do is maybe it like moves up to its speed. I don't, I don't know. Something else. Or may, I'll do like a AoE scream thing. Um, call this uh, Hunger for Flesh. Alright, I don't like the... I'm already over this slam and bite and scratch. I need to come up with a better word for that. Flesh pile. Flesh scratch. For twin powers. <laughs> Watch the action economy. One enveloped in the fight. Much harder. Two in it is winnable. And two, is it winnable? See, Grant, that's... You and I are thinking the same thing. I get so oh, I get so worried about my PCs, and then nine times out of ten, they just blow past me and kick my ass left and right. The problem is, once you start getting into this level of D&D, &D, it is so hard to balance because it's still ultimately a dice-based game. So you can have, you can try to find the perfect balance system, but and and as many of uh, the patrons in the chat know. If the DM suddenly rolls three crits in a row, suddenly that fight has gone uh, completely pear-shaped. And same thing on the other end. If the players are rolling a lot of crits or they're making all their saves, then it's uh, you know not really uh, much of a challenge. So I will say my dear players are not the most tactically advanced players. <laughs> they tend to not necessarily make the... Uh, the best decisions or employ all of their abilities to the fullest. And that's something I uh, try to keep in mind. But I, I think I know as, as a DM, I tend to overcorrect too much. Um, I certainly, you know, always give them a bunch of loot and they usually have plenty of potions. But we're entering a weird stage of the game that I actually do not have much experience with, which is... DMing at higher levels because Princes, I think, ended at 11 or 12. And Tomb Annihilation, we ended at 11 with only the final fight being level 11. The player's level 10 right now. We have a lot of campaign left. And I am so far off book that I'm doing this all myself. So I, I very much appreciate these discussions because I need them. And I don't, honestly, as many years as I have as a DM now, which is not nearly as much as many of you, um, I have almost no experience heading into tier three. So it, it is going to be very, very tricky. And I don't want to create a monster that's just straight up like cheat mode that's super uber hard. I mean, the base version was CR 11 and didn't have any legendary stuff with it. I feel like all boss monsters should have legendary actions and resistance. Um, but beyond that, it gets pretty tricky. Now, the players don't know there's a giant boss monster with legendary stuff right here. They just keep aggroing things, um, and that should be punishable <laughs> to an extent. 
But as I mentioned, I don't want them to also start this boss fight. I would be willing to let them, you know, close, shutter this door. At this point, when you get down here, these are not the most intelligent creatures. They can always run, yeah. Um, yeah, these are not the smartest foes at the bottom. You basically killed all the smartest ones, except for the Dawn up there. And and I would even maybe go as so far, if they really secured the place and, and head back upstairs, you could probably even get a short rest off between these fights. I may spawn some more um, of these Guizons as a result, but, you know, if you get a short rest off, then everybody's going to have a shit ton of hit points. The scary thing, I think... That's right, most players... Yeah, and, and a lot of players do like that. What they... And Grant, you're making a lot of good points. I do notice that when a fight is going... Uh, when it's too frustrating for players, you can feel the energy leave the room and they get very frustrated. Um, it's different if they always feel like they've got options and they can tackle things. So the one that worries me is this babbling and screaming ability because that has the potential to constantly shut people down turn to turn. And that, I know, is is going to feel kind of shitty. So that's something that worried me whenever, um, now that we're building the rest of this creature out, do I still want to keep it as a freaking DC 17 wisdom save? You could maybe include an effect that's like, hey, once you make the save, you're immune to it. That would be pretty huge. So you only have to essentially make the save once ever. Um, or maybe you could say, like, once you make the save, you have advantage or something. I don't know. I could, that's a good point. I could lower its AC. It is just a blob of flesh. Um, in fact, it's more of an ooze. So, yeah, it doesn't really have the natural armor. Yeah, nitty-gritty tactical. <laughs> I literally feel like we almost had that in that patron game, too. Everybody's like, all right, shit, we gotta fucking really, like, think about each space we're in. And that was just level two. <laughs> At this level, it gets real bananas. Yeah, that could be that could be a change, which, which could mean you're still suffering the effects a lot. Um... But there is precedent for that, right? Like, it's I think it's like the siren song. There's a lot of effects that are on that once you make the save, it's kind of you officially like, okay, now I know to, uh, you know, how to steal myself for it or something. The siren's the one I'm thinking of. But I think there's a couple uh, monsters. Is it not called siren? Harpy. Harpy, sorry. Harpy's what I'm thinking of. That's a bunch of different harpies. Harpy has the uh, luring song, and I think that has uh, the same idea. So I may add that effect on there. Yeah, target that successfully saves is immune to the effect for 24 hours. So that'd be pretty big. And that would be, unfortunately, it would also be disappointing if everybody just has really good dice rolls, and you know most of the players become immune to it, and then that effect is just no longer affecting people for that whole time. But, you know, whatever. Try to be able to scream once they have it dead. Mmm. That's interesting. That's um the bloodied like feature or even like mythic actions at that point. When the mythic is like once it gets fully reduced to zero. But that is that is a cool boss fight feature that I like that DD doesn't do too much of. Which is uh, it um creatures unlock new abilities, which is a very much a video game thing to do, right? Like you get that the creature, monster, you get it low enough and suddenly it's, its pattern changes or whatever. 
I do like the idea of lowering its AC. Let's give it like a 12, which makes it pretty much auto hittable by most things. I mean, it's just, it's gonna get shot to hell. But that would be a, that would be the biggest change, I think, is to make it so you're immune. One of us, that's pretty good. Maul is a better term. Let's use Maul. Uh, ooh, what about Multi-Limb Maul? Is the name of the attack. Sounds like a character's name. <laughs> There's Multi-Limb Maul! Yeah, and then Envelop means it just uses its attack. Envelop isn't a waste of an attack at all. It still gets to use its attack, and it has advantage. Essentially, it just means if it attacks you while you're restrained, you also then become enveloped. I'm going to change it to one of us. I like that, Brandon. What's the group's average DPS? I Yeah, I don't. That's a good question. I've seen them do a lot of damage. I mean, people can do 30 and 50 damage. We don't have any, like, huge paladin smites or anything, but I feel like there are characters that can do 30 to 50 damage pretty regularly. My Remoraz had about 200 hit points, um, and it I feel like it lasted just enough and also had um, two good-sized minions in front of it. And if we're being honest... I can always cheat on the hit points. That's not something I usually do, and uh, I can prove that because all my games are <laughs> on YouTube, but that is the one thing players do not see are, is monster hit points. That's something that you all see when you're watching the games that the players do not know that information. So there could be a time, and I have made that adjustment a few times where I'm like, oh, this you know, enemy really hasn't done anything and needs to do one more thing. I might have it last like one more round to be able to do another thing. And more often than not, I cheat in the player's favor where uh, creatures die whenever they have like less than 10% hit points and it's not quite a killing blow. And I'm like, all right, whatever, you killed them. Sometimes I won't. If I really, you know, want that fight to mean more, then I'll have them stick around. But usually I cheat in their favor. But every once in a while, I could keep a creature up, uh, you know, another couple attacks or something. Call out and multi-attack that it can slam and envelop. I guess. I don't really click on. Oh yeah, I can use two. Well, it doesn't use slam and envelop. What it does is it either makes two attacks or uses envelop. But envelop means it uses one of its attacks. So essentially, to envelop somebody, it's actually only attacking once rather than twice. But that's fine. Because that envelop is so nasty and cool that people get swallowed up by that creature. And then I'm just going to let it do it as a legendary action, which is crazy. Still have more than my do. Which would allow it to then envelop people on its turn, which is nuts. Oh, what else could we do? This wonderful creature. So tentatively, we're gonna keep, we're gonna use the harpy thing of um, if a creature 
is it worded? Target that successfully saves into this effect. Okay, so that's a big addition there, is it doesn't have to be constantly saving against it unless you keep failing, which could absolutely happen. None of these players have built well for wisdom. But that does give you an out. So you just need to make that one save. Before it does nothing, five or six creatures in action when you use ultimate move in a randomly determined direction, which you could move closer to it. Seven to eight, you get to make a melee attack as a randomly determined creature, which very well could be the mound. Oh, you guys want me to actually pull it into the... I mean, that's what... That's kind of what um, the envelop is. Is it makes the attack... Well, I see. I guess it has to be restrained first. But again, that's a legendary action. So it can use its limb attack as a legendary action, grab somebody and restrain them, and then on its turn, if it's got somebody grabbed and restrained, it will use that attack again and then pull them into its body. And I think that's a pretty good one-two punch. And then we should give it one more legendary action that only costs one. The idea is it would mostly spawn Zons. But if I feel like it's got enough or I want to do something else, then I could um, give it something else. But I don't quite know what that's going to be. Some kind of AoE, Psychic. I don't, the Battling of Screaming is already a big debuff. Maybe something that does like Psychic Damage. That screams at everybody with an intelligent save or something. And yeah, I need to also change its Bone Shard to... Something else. Yeah, I could do the spittle and this one is blinds people. I don't know. A chemical glob within 15 feet. The glob explodes in a blinding flash of light and impact. Each creature within five feet of the flash must succeed on a DC 13 deck save or be blinded. Blind is pretty bad. It's like the uh it's the Dilophosaurus from Jurassic Park. I don't think uh, Nedry had a, a good deck save. <laughs> we need to probably add that on there. But, folks, it has been over an hour. It's been so much fun uh, theory crafting this one monster. And we're going to do more of that. Please jump onto the Discord channel uh, or talk to me in the YouTube comments. I try to respond. And we will discuss more of this because we've got some time before our session on Friday where I assume we will get through this boss fight. Um, we still got another fight here. I can't imagine this will take as long as the other one did. Um, and then maybe a short rest. Maybe we'll interact with that room, or maybe they'll want to press hard at this boss fight. I don't know. Obviously, these all these creatures won't be here. There'll be maybe one or two here. But I'm hoping we can wrap up Lost Spire, but I also probably don't need to necessarily rush it either. All right, I think that will do it for this week's Crafting Icewind Dale. If you enjoy the content, please do check out patreon.com slash roguewatson. Shoutouts to Platinum Patrons, Joe, Will, Thomas, Adam, Stan, William, I'm Loud, Brandon, Genocider, David, Eclectic, Roleplay, Roll, Christopher, Brian, William, David, Jam, and Clams, Christina, Corey, Coa, 1337, and Jacob. And Gold Patrons, RPG, Papercrafts, Pretty Boy, and Yuma, Marcus, Dead Lizard, Lion, Sam, Lopez, Buds, Jerome, Nathan, Fasica, Tortoise, Scott, Humanoid, Size, Sphincter, Stephanie, and Refus. Thank you all very much for your support. We'll see you for more Crafting Icewind Dale on Thursday.